and welcome to episode 191 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James, joined once again by Ryan Top and Paul Noonan, trying to cool off after a hot weekend, but uh, Paul still somehow caught a cold, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I, I caught it from my mother-in-law, and now I sound like Sam Elliott. So at least that'll be an enjoyable thing for the whole podcast. It adds some gravitas, I yeah. think, to the to the whole podcast. Just gotta add yeah. some southern twang in there, and everything will sound very authoritative. <laughs> this, are we talking Sam Elliott Roadhouse or Sam Elliott Big Lebowski here? Big Lebowski, stranger, really playing it up. <laughs> you know, total cowboy kind of thing at this point. So I knew that Roadhouse was this like legendary thing for a long time, but I'd never seen it until I don't know. I think during lockdown basically was the first time i saw it and now i seem to find it like on cable all the time and i'll always just turn it on because it's horrible but yet mesmerizing and you can't look away so yeah it's <laughs> it's it is a ridiculous movie and like I, it starts as one thing and then ends it's in a very different place yeah no kidding um oh. but did you know it's actually based on a true story I had no, I did not know that. Yeah, no. so it's it's actually based on a true story. Just, I think they just took gonna some... jump over to Snopes here real quick and check that story out. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I went real. and read the Wikipedia page about it. It was there was a real guy who basically was a bully and was a nightmare for people to deal with, and like a bunch of people in their town finally killed him, and uh, everybody in town kind of said, eh, like shrug. Whatever. Don't really care. Can't prove it was any one of these particular guys who shot him. Could have been all of them. Kind of a murder on the Orient Express sort yes. of thing. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. We're off to a great start here. Uh, in, the meantime, in the meantime, if you hear Ryan just yell, like, incomprehensibly at any point, he's watching the USA soccer team. So they're probably going to do something dumb, and he's going to get upset sometime in the next hour. So I'm going uh, to become uncontrollably happy, James. Right, yeah. Sure. Ryan's convinced that they can actually win a soccer match, and I, I don't know about that. Anyway, all right, before we get started, a reminder, you can help support the podcast by becoming a patron. That's at patreon.com slash tailgate. Two bucks a month gets you question priority here on the podcast. Five bucks a month gets you the Minor League Extra podcast with Ryan and James Anderson, and they're actually recording a new episode this week. So look for those uh, that call for questions coming out. Uh, in the early part of the week, you also get some reporting as eligible mini pods from Paul through the Packers yeah. off season. If I can talk, there'll be one this week about why they should have gotten Julio Jones. So keep an eye out for that. Yeah, second round pick for Julio is kind of uh, eh. <laughs> specifically, anyway. it will be on the types of receivers they have and who benefits from the system and who they need to step up when the system stops working against good defenses in the playoffs, like Tampa. There you go. All right, so be on the lookout for that, too. Uh, in the meantime, uh, looking at the Brewers, I guess, speaking of hot, not just the weather, but the Brewers are are now really hot right now. They've won 9 of 12 uh, heading into this next week. They're tied for first place in the NL Central. Uh, bats have seemingly woken up in June. I think at one point over the weekend, they had something like 14 home runs in four days, which seems like an entire month's total for them at some point. Uh, is, I guess let's just start there. Is it... Paul, do you think it's just a function of the ball kind of like traveling better now that it's getting warmer? Or is there something on my conspiracy corner theory <laughs> that Manfred switched the balls at the start of the month? Uh, I don't. So we, we got lots of potential reasons for this. And they're they're all over the map. And I'm, I'm not going to jump ahead too much to the next question. But um, I don't think you replace the balls. But I, do, I don't think it's out of the question that the balls have something to do with it. But this is also not that weird. Hot weather um, does 
boost offense when it does come around and it's hot everywhere. So that's not that surprising. And the Brewers have just played some trash teams too. I mean, it, it's, you get some bad pitchers in front of you and the bats will wake up. That's what they're for. So uh, it's a combination. I think of all of those things. And uh, I mean, a- Arizona is just a, a sight to behold on the baseball field. Uh, we, I think we, we talked a little <laughs> bit last week about Pittsburgh, not really fielding a major league team. And I think Arizona might be worse than them, if anything. So it's a, uh, that's helpful too. Well, have you ever seen a manager go off on a team in the dugout? That was hilarious. Oh, like that was that was some Billy Martin shit. Like it's that high, was you don't see that anymore. Shit. Yeah. It, like these are professionals. You don't do that with professionals. This is that was literally like just a, a my little league team has disappointed me and I need to yell. <laughs> I mean, in fairness to Lovello, they absolutely were playing like dog shit <laughs> at that point and what had like three errors in one half inning or basically like three defensive misplays in one half inning and so i get why he was pissed off because they we seem call to... that javi magic now by the way <laughs> yeah i was gonna say if anyone was gonna go off it should have been pittsburgh's manager yeah. right after the javi play <laughs> i think he was probably just like going and updating his resume honestly yeah yeah but man yeah so i guess Ryan, is is it the quality opponents too? I mean, obviously we talked last week, like the Brewers June schedule should be fairly easy. Is this kind of just a, an effect of that or is there something here that you're seeing? Right. Number one, it's baseball and weird shit happens in baseball. As I say every <laughs> week, it seems like. Number two, uh, yes, the, the quality of opponents did weaken and they've been facing some trash pitching and have behaved accordingly from that. And also, their offense was underproducing what I think we should have realistically expected this offense to do. You had a bunch of guys that were cold, otherwise not playing up to potential. And they were due to to get especially some slugging going because they really, over the first, I don't know, six weeks of the season or so, really weren't slugging as much as you would have expected. And to see them hit the ball out of the park a little bit was something we all, frankly, should have seen coming, especially from some of these guys, Yelich, you know, he was going to start hitting for power at some point. And yeah, it's not like he's going to hit one home run the whole season. He's going to knock him out. And, you know, a struggling Yelich is probably going to knock him out against some crap pitching. And that's what he did. Yeah, though, I don't know how much he's struggling anymore. True. Good point. He's been pretty good lately. I mean, he's been pretty good. And also, we did see him pull a home run. So that was good. We also saw him hit one the other <laughs> way. And I was like, well, so does that come off the account then? Like, do you have to subtract that from the total? <laughs> Because <laughs> it was the other way. To, so, uh, but yeah, it, all of these things together, you know, baseball just has its ups and downs. And yeah. this offense was underplaying what we should have realistically expected. And this is evening that out somewhat. So, yeah, it just happens. Also added a good bat they didn't have before in, in Willie Adamas. So exactly. um, that, that also goes a long way towards, you know, um, to, to bumping that up. You finally have some more people to do damage in the lineup. And he yeah. has been doing damage, especially right. power-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Not so coincidentally, this turnaround seems to have happened right around the time that they added him. And, Paul, I know you and I are big fans of this theory that he just couldn't see in Tampa for some reason, and now he's like a monster that he's living at Miller Park. <laughs> so um, I, I I don't know if I, I'm quite sold on that theory yet. It's the kind of thing that I tend not to believe. However, um it does make sense that it would matter quite a bit. Uh, the one thing I, w- I did look at a whole bunch of uh, rays in preparation for the podcast, um, just to see like if there were consistent home road splits in favor of being away, um, which it wouldn't be that unexpected. It's not the most friendly hitters park in the world, but there's not really a pattern with the existing rays. 
like Mike Zunino is better at home. Yandy Diaz is better at home. Brandon Lowe is better away. Randy Razarina is better away. And it doesn't really matter what hand, what handedness they are either. So it, it, it may just be a, a particular thing that bothers Willie Adama specifically. <laughs> um, the other thing that I like this week is when I put this theory on Twitter, uh, Mike Bischoff, who is a friend of ours and a graphic designer, animation guy and who plays the show, pointed out, you can actually go test this if you want because the show actually captures all of the batter's eyes super accurately. <laughs> and, and you can actually go look and see what it looks like to be batting at various stadiums. And uh, yes, you can do that. Um, this one doesn't seem particularly bad to me, but you know, uh, if there's something that gets on your nerves or attracts your attention, I can see it. And um, you know, his his splits are for real. Uh, he did not hit in Tampa, and he hit everywhere else. So um, it, it's uh, it, there's a reason sometimes these things happen, and um, it looks like with Willie Adams, it might be legit because he has been his road self with the Brewers the entire time. Well, so the question that I heard was that, or the the thing I heard was that it was a lighting issue and that he had actually had the team come up with a pair of glasses for him to wear at home. Goodness gracious. He tried and that still didn't work. And that still didn't work. But I can (laughs) see that is actually, so it is a thing. I'm a a person who has ADHD. That's probably not shocking to people. And uh, one of the things that they talk about with that in the literature for it is that we react, many of us react poorly to uh, uh, fluorescent. Yes, thank you. Fluorescent like lighting. Picking up on the picking up on the, the flicker, right? Yes, picking the, up uh, on the yeah. flicker that it becomes a distraction. Exactly. And so I could see there being something along those lines with, with lighting playing weirdly, not necessarily that issue in particular, but everybody's affected differently by different things. And so I can kind of buy it that he just wasn't comfortable and didn't see the ball well there. And the evidence seems to be pretty strong. You know, he he saw it pretty well everywhere else, and he's seeing it well in Milwaukee and yes, when we go on the road. So I I think that there's a pretty decent chance that this is, if not totally real, at least somewhat directionally real, that he is a yeah. better hitter than what we saw from him because of his home numbers being dragged down. And now I do wonder if, like, does prospectus have any numbers on batter's eye type things in the background there? <laughs> like, I'd love, I'd love to know that because it obviously is a big difference maker from stadium to stadium. Like they're, they vary a lot. Some of them clearly are terrible and some of them clearly are a lot better. It, it makes sense. That it would be a real thing. I think just, it's a hard thing to quantify because it, it really re- requires polling guys more than anything. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be the same from person to person. And, uh, it, it's it's just a weird thing to think of as mattering this much in a few specific instances, but it clearly does. Yeah, and guys do like the Milwaukee batter's eye. That is a thing that we've heard over and over that guys like seeing it. And you can kind of tell when you're there, it is a very dark, very like m- sort of mono. Uh, there aren't a lot of lines and things in it. So it's, it's basically no. just a big black spot that you True. get to see the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand. And there shouldn't be much distraction. I know in right. some stadiums, it's darkened seats. In some mm-hmm. stadiums, it's like a variety of different things. In Milwaukee, it's just this yeah. you know, straight up sort of two pieces of uh, wood basically back there that are black. Yeah. So right. it gives a good contrast. Right. Yeah. And I, I just think of like in Pittsburgh, there's like a certain time of night in the summer where like the sun comes off the buildings downtown and there's a massive glare right over center field. And, you know, there's stuff like that in every single stadium, but uh, definitely looks like uh, the Brewers got a good one with Willie Adamas and uh, great trade. Yeah. Yeah. 
Also, just a monster of a man for a shortstop, too. I, I'd not seen him play that much, but he hits the ball really hard. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no cheapies when he gets a hold of one. It is, uh, it's way out. No, it's it's fitting he wears 27 because there's a lot of Carlos Gomez when yeah. you see him play, you know? Good yeah. Time. His defense has also been very, very good. He it makes has. quite a few plays. And I get why maybe his defensive metrics had struggled a little bit because he, he does seem to be a little mistake prone but what he can get to in the field is really outstanding absolutely so that's that's definitely kind of helped cover i guess maybe some lingering concerns going forward because uh while things are going good the last few days lorenzo kane and colton wong are hurt again and so that'll be a detriment um Luckily, Tyrone Taylor does not look like he sucks, Paul. Uh, he's, he's been doing pretty well. And, and he has, got uh, Luis true. Urias kind of picking up at, at second base uh, in Wong's absence. But uh, I guess any concern, Paul, going forward about, you know, just that depth getting tested again and, you know, how, how much injuries played a factor early in May. So is that going to be an issue again? I, this is another one where just having added a good bat really – makes everybody look quite a lot better. Um, and I think we can now legitimately wonder if Urias was struggling partially because he was uh, making so many mistakes at shortstop, and that does weigh on you when you are struggling defensively. But um, just now they actually look like kind... You can you can look at this lineup, and there's a major league offense here. Like, Omar's great, and Willie Adamas looks to be quite good. Even diminished Yelich is still a pretty good hitter. Um, so... You know that's a good start to the lineup. Colton Wong is a good hitter when he's in the lineup. It's bad when he's out, of course, but um, you know you can pop your wrist over there. And then uh, obviously, uh, obviously, I'm never going to say his name right the whole time. He's a brewer. Um, <laughs> it has also been quite good. So um, you know this is starting to look more like the viable stars and scrubs lineup it's meant to be, and just having that extra person there to actually threaten with the bat. Um, I, I think is cause for optimism. They can weather a lot more than they did, than they did before, and their upside is much higher. If they get Yelich completely right, if Lorenzo Cain you know, gets back to being average, which he has not been for a while, um, or if Keston can figure it out a little bit, then they have you know much better upside than they used to. But now they can also weather with, with depth. So uh, th- there's reason to be optimistic for sure. Yeah, and I especially appreciate the fact that Wong's injury has allowed uh, Urias to stay in the lineup on a daily basis Mm -hmm. now, and we're starting to see a turnaround, which we have a question about, so I'm not going to get into that, but I wanted to mention that here because I think that does matter, and I think hopefully, with Kane being out, we're going to see the same thing from Jackie Bradley Jr. because he is going to get going. I, I don't think there's any question in my mind he's going to hit a lot better than what we've seen so far. He's going to be a guy that it's going to be important for us not to look at the season numbers come, say, middle of July, if, especially if he's had a good June and you know is, has turned it around. His season numbers are still going to probably be pretty crappy, but that's not going to represent what he's doing at that time. When guys get off to slow starts, there's often this thing where we're like digging out of it for the rest of the season, and we have to pay attention to the fact that, yeah, the guy got off to a slow start, but that was then, and then hopefully this is projecting but i i do feel pretty confident about it that he's going to turn it around yeah he's also been historically a slow starter too so Mm -hmm. there's that to consider too 
Um, I saw some stuff that maybe the Brewers offense just as a whole is a Ramos Ramirez. So, you know, now that we're out of April and May, we're we're good now the rest of the way. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, but definitely a, a good week as far as the Brewers go. But I guess league wide, the big story across uh, the league in the last week is kind of MLB saying it's going to start cracking down on the Ford sub- substances and all this sticky stuff that pitchers have been using uh, to, you know, get a better grip on the ball and, and get higher spin rates, get more movement the last couple of years. Uh, the general thinking here is that every single team pretty much does this to varying degrees. Uh, but I guess, Ryan, your thoughts on the crackdown here. Is it needed? Does baseball need to do something? Is this like part of the reason why nobody can hit anymore? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I think this is probably going to have a fairly noticeable effect over the next few months, and we're going to see offense take off, though offense was probably going to take off somewhat anyway, like Paul said, as things warmed up. But I think this does matter and is going to be an impactful thing that they're doing. And I think that they do need to to crack down on this, especially because this isn't something that needs to be collectively bargained. This is already in the rules. You just need to enforce Mm -hmm. your own damn rules. And so I know that this had been sort of a thing. People said, I guess, the, the, the term that was used on this for Effectively Wild was uh, that it had been decriminalized and that basically yeah. everybody had kind of agreed to look the other way and that it just wasn't going to be pursued. Well, it needs to be criminalized. This needs to be. And it sounds like it is. Did you hear yep. that already four minor leaguers have been suspended for it? And mm. they're they're hinting around quite a bit that they're going to be doing this at the major league level. And we've already heard things like perhaps Garrett Cole went out for his last start and didn't use the stuff and his spin rate was way down and he got lit up a little bit. Yep. So (laughs) I, I do think that this is very important and it's good and I'm happy to see it. Yeah. If you didn't read the sports illustrated article by Stephanie Epstein and Alex Pruitt, I highly recommend you do it, which goes into a lot of depth describes the sheer amount of Stickum that they found on baseballs researching it, which was the, so much that people in the dugout afterwards were able to just lift it up with flat palms up against mm. the ball, uh, detect fingerprints in the ball. Um, when I first read that story, I, I I was actually a little skeptical of it because my like steroid alarm goes off. Where is this just um, management trying to make the players look bad in advance of labor negotiations mm. by cracking down on something that the players are doing wrong? Just at, with this timing, um, so I did just message um, John Judge uh, to, to check and see, hey, do you guys know anything? And he said, without giving too much detail away, yeah, we've noticed this. It's definitely going on. It's definitely legit. And it's definitely impacting pitching quite a bit. So um, that's, that is that is good enough for me. And they should, they should absolutely start cracking down on it because the pitching has gotten so much out of control. This is clearly a big reason for it. Um, also, and I'm still on this quest. If you have caught a foul ball um, this year or, or <laughs> the last year and a half, uh, I had a few people actually do, fi- that did catch foul balls on Twitter tell me that they did not detect any sticky stuff on them. Mm. If you have caught a foul ball, go check it. If it's sticky, let me know. <laughs> I'm very interested in doing this, so um, p- p- please do that. That's amazing. But again, this is something that I think has kind of been an open secret for a while too, right? Yep. And I think you know the SI article and Eno Sarah is doing a lot of work on this too is kind of just kind of open eyes to just how prevalent and just how much they're using it but I mean how many years ago was it that Yachty had the the ball stick to his chest protector just because <laughs> there was that much stick on the ball right yep. like that was a pretty clear sign that that was what was going on so well did you see today 
uh, Trevor Bauer uh, had a ball get away from him and get up close to a batter's head. Yep. And that mm. has been the big thing why hitters have not actually been pushing this. Like they've, I think they've grumbled and complained, but they haven't like pushed for it to be changed because they want the the pitchers to have a grip on the baseball, throwing it in a, a, a place where they know it's going. So mm-hmm. they don't want to have it slipping out of the pitcher's hands and you know coming up and in and you know potentially doing damage to them. So yep. I get that, but there has to be other ways to do this. I think that the big thing, and this has been talked about by everybody, so this is not my own idea, but basically you need to come up with an approved sticky, sticky, uh, sticky substance that is on every mound. It's right there. Mm-hmm. Everybody can see the pitcher use it. It's perfectly legal. And anything else, you come down with a hammer on. And that's it. Yeah. Can I do my Bauer conspiracy theory? Yeah, I was going to ask you, Paul, if you wanted to bring this up. All right. So (laughs) keep in mind, Trevor Bauer does not think like normal people because he's not normal people. (laughs) Before you dismiss this as being crazy, just remember that the person I'm accusing of doing it is crazy. He's a sociopath. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would not at all put it past Trevor Bauer uh, to go out there and do an experiment like Trevor Bauer does where he intentionally... Uh, is wild, throws at guys behind guys, just to make to make the narrative that sticky stuff is in fact a safety issue and not a cheating issue. Um, partially because we know Trevor Bauer has been experimenting with this. He's very open about his use of sticky stuff and basically told people, I'm going to go use sticky stuff and my RPMs will go up. And then he did, and they did, and I, he has never quit doing it as far as I can tell. So um, he he definitely benefits a lot from it. And I think it would literally cost him a lot of money to have sticky stuff banned outright because he's not as good a pitcher without it. And he <laughs> is also, again, a crazy person who does not sign long-term contracts. He has a three-year contract with a bunch of crazy opt-outs. And if he falls off the face of the earth in terms of effectiveness from not using sticky stuff, um, the Dodgers this year, I think, can buy him out for $2 million at the end of his contract. So um, that goes up over the next couple of years. But uh, he has a vested interest in making sure he can still use it and uh, is smart enough and crazy enough to to bring the safety issue up by plunking a bunch of guys. So uh, just keep an eye on him doing that on purpose because he totally will. <laughs> you're hit by pitches leader for the second half of the season, probably probably Trevor Bauer. Yeah, is what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> bet the over on that. All right, we do have a couple of Patreon questions related to this too. Uh, first one comes from Ultimate Vehicle Flight Club. Again first rule we're breaking it but that's okay uh they're asking how much will mlb's (laughs) stance on foreign substances affect pitching for the rest of the year so ryan i know you kind of hinted at it that you think offense will go up but i guess how noticeable will it be in in the pitching numbers and and what we're seeing so far it will definitely show up in the uh rpms on pitches it's going to be talked about over the next few weeks like crazy people are going to point to pitchers who have seen a drop in the the spin rate on their pitches, and we're going to hear about it. And it's going to be tied, whether or not it should be, I don't know, but it's going to be tied to performance downturns as well. If a guy, you, yep. I can guarantee you, if a guy has a downturn in their RPMs and then has a bad game, it's going to be, well, look at that. He was cheating. Now he can't cheat anymore. Now he's trash. That's going to be the narrative on all these guys. It will. Keep an eye on Brandon Woodruff, by the way. Uh, I was going to say, um, Paul, is it, are, are you worried about the Brewers, at least the top guys, kind of getting uh, busted to, for this? To, he's the one I'm worried most about, but to varying degrees. Corbin Burns has always had a super 
uh, enormous spin rate, one of the highest right. in baseball. So, I mean, maybe he's a user but and an early adopter, but there hasn't been any big change on Burns. Uh, he, he became more effective, but his RPMs didn't really change. In becoming more effective, it was more about arm angle and location and things like that. Um, Woodruff's RPMs have gone up, uh, about 200 RPM, uh, whatever, revelations per minute from last year. So make of that what you will and keep an eye on it for the rest of the season. And I think Freddie just pitches crazy, and I don't think he actually uses any substance. Uh, <laughs> if he is using substance to help him locate better, nobody can tell. So, um, I, I, uh, And if it's anybody in the back end of the bullpen, I mean, eh, maybe. But uh, the one I'm worried about is Woodruff. So, uh, it, And always remember, your team isn't special and has people who cheat on it. <laughs> oh, yeah, the estimates on this. I heard Kevin Goldstein say, or maybe it was Trent Rosecrans, who was his guest this week, they said something like 75 80% they think yep mm-hmm. was their best guess so i i definitely think there are many brewers who use the stuff and have gotten yeah. benefits from it but it's one of those things where if it if everybody is having to abandon it then the effect is going to be more league wide and less specific person so mm-hmm. i think I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a general downturn. I think we're going to see a general uptick in offense as the summer wears on anyway, because yeah. baseball's look, baseball is heavily incentivized to try to find ways around this. So they're going to do anything they can at this point to try to up the batting average to uh, to diminish the dominance of pitchers right now. So this probably won't be the last thing MLB does on this front, but it's going to be the one that people talk about because it can be measured. And you can point fingers and call people cheaters, and people love doing that. Especially if you're going to see, like, actively on the broadcast, like, umpires stopping and frisking guys as they come off the field, right? Like, <laughs> yep. Like, that's yeah, the yeah. idea that, like, Buster and, and the others have said. So, like, also, I, you know, I, this is baseball, so I'm not expecting them to pull Jacob DeGrom to the side and be like, hey, man, what's up? It's going to be more like the Brad Boxburgers of the world who are going to get you know, padded down, but oh, like, yeah. yeah, you know, but it will definitely be visible. And and I think Ryan, you're right. Everybody for the next two weeks is going to be looking very closely at those stack cast numbers, the RPMs and just looking for any underlying thing. Cause I think I even saw somebody said, Oh, Trevor Bauer's fastball was off by like 250, which I don't know if that's anything or if it's negligible or what you know we'll, you're gonna we'll, have variance we'll all too. quickly yeah. learn um the uh <laughs> the rpm um standardization on what it does right. and what it doesn't uh, right, i believe right. based on a podcast i was listening to today that about 200 rpms is one revolution okay because there you're you talking go. about well what know, is that hold on one revolution oh, in the yeah, time it takes for the right, okay, right for it. the ball to get from told the, there's not going to be any math. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember the the ball goes from the the pitcher's mound to the plate in much right. under a minute. So yeah, unless I'm throwing it, but yes. All <laughs> right, uh, second question. This one's more fun. This one comes from Darren Jones. If you were an MLB pitcher, where would you hide your foreign substances? <laughs> Whether it's the glove hat belt or yadi's chest protector etc <laughs> so paul where 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 are you hiding your your illicit substances oh i i think you don't want to get too cute with this you know um but brim of the hat is the classic one that you, you do um i i mean we we all have seen major league a whole bunch of times so we have the eddie harris <laughs> special to tell us where to hide everything you know jalapeno under the nose vagicil on the left shoulder um <laughs> and, and i i mean 
uh, that's the other thing. Like, you don't want to. Uh, it's the Bear Girls thing. You want to leave yourself like six different outs here in case they're checking you closely. <laughs> and so the answer is not one. It's it's wherever you can have it, so that if one is being watched, you can go to a different one. So I don't know, behind your ear, just inside the top of your uniform, on the brim of your cap, um, maybe in your hair. Have just some really strong hair gel. Um, you and I are SOL on that one, but that's a good point. I, I mean, yeah. <laughs> in my playing days, I could have done it, but not so much these days. Maybe that's why you get if you're if you have a beard person. You, oh, you can, yeah, some some beard some, gel and pomade in the beard. Yeah, like all yeah. so you got to be thinking all of these things. Yeah, that's right. a good that's a good call. I was just gonna say rub a little jalapeno in your nose, and that yeah. was gonna yeah. be my answer. But yeah, I'd, I'd say the beard thing sounds like a good plan for. For some of these guys, a lot of them have uh, big beards these days. So, you know, go with yeah. that. Maybe that's what Josh Hader is hiding in his hair. I don't know. <laughs> Plus, you might, that way you can create a scenario where someday Angel Hernandez may have to investigate a beard. <laughs> and I would actually pay money just to see that happen. <laughs> can you imagine like putting the forensic gloves on and just like yeah. kind of picking through Craig Kimbrell's beard or whatever? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was I, I would just go simple on this, I think. You know, the old sunscreen and mix it with rosin trick, and that apparently makes super sticky stuff. So, you know, can't be too careful with, with uh, you know, out in the sun all day. So you got to make sure you're good and lathered up with the sunscreen. And there yeah, you what go. do they call that, bullfrog? Maybe. I, I think don't know. That's, <laughs> I think that's bullfrog. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I, I can't say I know, but <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see. Uh, where that goes, and, and if, if we uh, discover the Brewers Pitching Lab is just actually a place where they develop sticky stuff. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> it's a glue factory. <laughs> it's it's, it's a, actually a glue factory. They're just bringing horses through it all day. That's all it um, is. <laughs> that was got dark quick. Yeah, no <laughs> kidding. All right, uh, let's keep it going. More Patreon questions. Uh, this one comes from Jay Google, of course. He's got course two he questions. So his first one is, has it struck midnight for Travis Shaw yet? Or is he a perfect guy to back up at first base and even third base? So, uh, Paul, I know you feel strongly about the suckiness of Travis Shaw. I know our good friend Ruby uh, made some uh, shocking <laughs> <laughs> revelations about just how bad he's been since April. I guess it is the clock ticking for Travis so Shaw. The, the only reason it wasn't ticking before is because the rest of the offense was comparatively bad. And uh, now he's starting to stand out a bit. He is really bad. Um, the only... The only guy on there who's been much, much worse than him is Jackie Bradley Jr., but he's shown signs of life, and... He doesn't play he, every day. <laughs> he doesn't play every day. He's a backup. He, he's good at defense. Not that Shaw's bad at defense, but Jackie Bradley's very good at defense. Uh, so this is getting rough. So, um, I, 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 Travis might be getting to the end here, and he's getting to the point where random guy might be better. So, uh, Zach Green! They, yeah, they, they, they don't... There you go. They don't necessarily have anybody just ready to go in that spot. I, they also probably don't want to burn Travis again, um, mm -hmm. at least the same way they did last time, because, you know, it created some acrimony, and they were nice to get him back. But uh, this is getting rough. He is uh, entering today a 616 OPS, uh, a, a 69 OPS plus. That's not nice. That is bad. No. Uh, and he looks really He looks like his old bad self at the plate. So. Um, if they can improve that spot, they probably will. It sticks out like a sore thumb. Yes, he has versatility. Yes, there are other guys as bad as he is. And yes, it's not like they have a guy just waiting to replace him anywhere. They don't. Um, but uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's a candidate for 
waiver wire fodder replacement in the near future. Yeah, I don't know if it's near future. It's sometime down the line. If he keeps playing like this, it's going to happen. They will pull the trigger on it. We've seen that with David Stearns. I think that he gets a big reprieve, at least for a while, by the fact that Urias, who would be the logical replacement for him, uh, is currently occupied at second base. Right. So they don't have a, a natural thing there to to turn to. Once Wong comes back, I think you can kind of put him on a clock as far as he needs to start showing something. He's definitely going to lose time. He's already losing time. They put Daniel Robertson in there instead of sure him today, mm-hmm. and he hit a home run. Hit a bomb. So, Vogelback's starting to hit a little bit more at first base, too. So, yeah, that's another avenue that's not there. Exactly. Though there is a big difference in every other aspect because Travis Shaw is still a good defender at third. So mm-hmm. that is that is the thing that is potentially going to save him is they are a run prevention first team, obviously, and they will want to get good defenders in there as much as possible. So I, I think we will see Shaw get time there for the foreseeable future. I don't think this is happening anytime soon, but it is something to keep an eye on. Right. Absolutely. Uh, fun with salt, small sample sizes. Adrian Hauser has a higher OPS than uh, <laughs> Travis right now. So there you go. Uh, Jay's second question is also, what was your reaction to seeing the Antoine Kelly comment on the MLB rumor of uh, that that trade proposal from MLB Network? Was it Mark DeRosa? I forget who had it, but mm-hmm. basically proposed uh, Josh Donaldson to Milwaukee for Anton Kelly and Jackie Bradley Jr. I guess, Ryan, your thoughts on that proposal? I know we kind of talked about it. The proposal itself isn't that interesting. I mean, whatever it might it might make some sort of sense. I don't know. It, it's not very likely to happen, especially because you have Josh Donaldson still has two years after this of guaranteed money at twenty two million per year, and then he has an eight million dollar buyout for the next year. So you're talking about a guaranteed like fifty million plus, right? And he is thirty six years old, thirty six. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, you're you're talking about. Uh, a fairly unlikely scenario anyway what I found most interesting about it was that Antoine Kelly was like no I wouldn't want to be traded and normally guys (laughs) if uh, I think you know most professional players like if somebody wants to trade for them I would think the general reaction would be good I want to go to a place where I'm wanted and might have you know a, a, a quicker opportunity or whatever so I don't know if he just really likes the Brewers player dev people and that could be it. Yeah, it could be. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's looked at and has seen all these guys, you know, Brandon Woodruff, 11th round pick Corbin Burns, fourth round pick Freddie Peralta, you know, guy who came from nowhere and he's looking at it going, Oh, maybe this is a good place for me to stick around. If I want to become a good major league pitcher, you can hope that's what it is. I hope that's what it is, but it might just be that he like saw his name in a trade on TV and went, that's stupid, and just <laughs> said something. You just don't normally see it, so it yeah. stood out to me. Yeah, we're going to have to get used to dumb trade rumors like this for the next <laughs> couple of months, I think. Uh, all right, next Patreon question comes from Philip Schumacher. Uh, this is another one Ryan has, has lots of thoughts on, so... Uh, question is what are your ca- comments on jack stern's article on brew crew ball this week regarding urias's offense has he turned a corner so if you haven't seen it 
uh, basically the gist of the article on Brew Crew Ball. You should go check it out and read it if you haven't. It's basically uh, hypothesizing that Luis Arias may finally kind of be over that wrist injury that limited his power over the last year. Uh, also, you know, he had COVID last year, so that's probably not great for general strength and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but Jack Stern also uh, picked up on a batting stance change that could kind of explain uh, spike in hard hit rates that we've seen, a better launch angle this year. He's not hitting the ball on the ground as much anymore. He's hit seven home runs already this year, almost hit an eighth today. He boomed another double into the gap today. Uh, that already surpasses his career total coming into 2021. So, Ryan, I guess, what were your thoughts on that, and what have you seen from him? Like, are are you... I know you've always been super optimistic on him. Are are you really buying Hyde right now? Yeah, I, I think that he is a guy I definitely didn't want to trade him away. I had offers for him in my Dynasty League, and I didn't accept them. Uh, people were trying to buy low on him, and I said no. Uh, I think that this is actually the continuation of a trend. Uh, I don't think Jack mentioned this in the article, but if you look back at 2019, Luis Urias had a huge power spike in AAA. Now, people kind of chalked that up to he was playing in the PCL, and that is a thing that happens in the PCL. That is true. And super bouncy ball that year, too, too, right? Yes, that was yeah. the first year of the super bouncy ball in AAA. But he went from a guy who in 2017 at AA hit 296, 398, 380. So very little slug there, obviously, like an ISO under 100. Uh, the next year, it was 296, 398. So identical batting average and on base. But the slugging jumped over 50 points to 447. Then in 2019, we see a 315, 398. So again, a 398 on base percentage, but now a 600 slug in, uh, what was it, plate appearance-wise? Uh, 339 plate appearances. So he was, and people were talking about this in 2019, that he was making a swing change and was trying to access more power and was trying to join the launch angle revolution. And there was mixed feelings about that because he was sort of, you know, we talked about this a lot. He's an exceptional hitter, and people at various points had debated whether or not he had an 80-hit tool, which is not something anybody gets thrown on them if you're not Vlad Guerrero Jr. And <laughs> so it's it's a very sort of unique situation there. And it looks for all the world like he was in the process of doing this and was becoming more of a power-oriented hitter last year. The power got sapped by first the injury. And by the way, guys, we talked about this, I know, last year, but hamate injuries are notoriously bad for sapping hitter power. That's what mm -hmm. they do. They sap the power, and it's very hard for hitters to get good uh, get good drive on the baseball through that because it, it weakens the grip you're going to be able to have and like what you're going to be able to do hands-wise. So, you know, they often talk about like the, the strength in power hitters often comes from the hands. Well, the handmade injury is going to diminish that just unavoidably. So I think that what we're seeing now is sort of a, a reemergence of that power that we had already seen in 2019. So it's not like this is necessarily even a new thing. It's a reemergence of something that was there already and is just coming back now that he's finally over presumably this other crap that he's dealing with. That all makes sense. The month is not that old. So I would... <laughs> I would still urge some caution on here. Baseball happens. And his other numbers outside of slugging aren't that different. Um, he 
like his June slugging is 952. Uh, that's OPS, 667. But other than that, he's his plate discipline's not that different. He is is you know still hitting the ball roughly the same. So uh, it's it's nice. He's, he's hit some bombs. That double today was crushed, and he's he's definitely shown more power, and that's that's good. But uh, I think it's worth just seeing how the rest of the month plays out before we declare that he's turned around. Now, everything Ryan said is true. Wrist injuries, hamate bone in in particular, are very bad, and it is very common for somebody to just get their power back all of a sudden after they have, you know, they're a certain distance out from the injury. So it's, it's not that surprising if he is, uh, you know, if his power is restored, but you know, the guys go through little streaks in good and bad ways all the time like this. So I want to see him do it for another 30 days and then revisit before we declare him fixed. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. And that's perfectly yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and again, I, I hate to keep bringing up the size thing, but the, Dude's five nine, like a buck seventy. So, like, pardon me if I don't buy power from him as a thing that's sticking around. But I will be happy to be wrong if that's the case. Uh, either that or Rob Manfred switched the balls back, and that explains everything. But we'll see. Uh, <laughs> speaking of home runs, our last Patreon question comes from Adam Post, uh, bringing back an old theme we've been running here a, a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> who finishes the season with more home runs, Avi Garcia or Christian Yelich? Paul, Christian's gotten a couple. He's got Avi's a couple. still leading the team. If he gets right, he can make it up pretty quickly. But I do like, um, Avi's making good contact, and he's done so consistently throughout the whole season. Um, I'll, I will take Avi to to eke out the win on on the home run contest for the Brewers over over Yelly at this point. Yelich has missed too much time. And even if he gets right, he's going to be hard-pressed to catch him. I'm sticking with Yelich. So All right. I'm yeah. just going to, why would I go away from that at this point after he hit two and very nearly hit a third one today? Mm-hmm. So that's another one too, where it looked gone off the bat and it was just caught at the warning track. So uh, crowd thought it was gone for sure <laughs> when you were watching that game. Uh, he, he's stinging the ball well too. Yeah. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he's got a 20 home run July in him or something like that. And then it's just kind of a moot point. But, uh, I, I'm with Paul. I think Avi still kind of ekes out the the win here, even if it's by one or two, and, and Christian can't quite catch up. It'll so. be a fun race. So yeah, I look for, I look forward to it getting close. There you go. Exactly. All right. We also got some Twitter questions to get through. A reminder: even if you're not a patron, you can still send us a question on Twitter. That account is at mke tailgate. First one comes from Quinton Wetzel. He says, can we just have a whole segment of the show dedicated to Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta using baseball references war? A pitching staff made up of those three and the rest just being replacement players would still be the second most valuable pitching staff in the majors this year. Um, So I know we kind of like touch on it every single week, but Ryan, it's kind of incredible that they've got this one, two, three going and Corbin Burns. uh, If we were worried about the last couple of starts of him walking dudes today, (laughs) Sunday, None of that, and he struck out 13. So uh, plenty to be excited about. Is that right? Yeah. I kind of am running out of superlatives at this point. Yep. Now it's it's almost turning into like a, oh, God, please stay healthy. Please stay healthy. Paranoia. Right. right? So it is. We are going to have to see them figure out ways to minimize some innings here from these guys. Yeah. And they have been trying to go to the six-man rotation. They, they were trying that a little bit, and then they 
let that go earlier this week. Uh, I really did. Did you guys like how they did that with Hauser, where they had him basically come in? What was it after mm-hmm. Lauer got Lauer's blown up? Stunk, stinker yep. of a start, and he just let Hauser basically throw his start, right? He threw five innings or something like that. So, yeah. yeah. And that got them through basically almost to the end of the game and kept them right in it. They they had uh, a chance. What did they lose? 10 to 7 in that game. So they were something right like there that. in it. Yeah. And we could talk about Lauer another time. There wasn't anything on the uh, uh, on the rundown here for Lauer, but uh, mm. I, <laughs> I I continue to bet on uh, Lauer being uh, pretty decent. I'll I, take that bet. Yeah, I know He's you have fine for a six starter. Is my thing, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm. So uh, I have no superlatives to add to those three guys. Other than that, I almost called a Freddie Peralta no-hitter last night. You did. You did. Because we had a question on who is on, are they most likely to get no-hitter, throw one? And I said, specifically, I will call Freddie. And then we were so close. Uh, Got into the eighth. On his birthday, no less. That would have been. Did you see how nervous Craig Council was? He looked. I mean, he was 100 <laughs> pitches at seven innings. It's yep. like his nightmare scenario. What do I do? What do, like, I do? Yeah, right. it it was the proverbial like a 50s father standing in the waiting room, chain smoking like a cigarette <laughs> and pipe at the same time, waiting for the the nurse to come in and tell him that the baby's been born. He oh, looked man. like he was in absolute agony watching that. Oh, man. I look forward to more chain-smoking Craig uh, as we get <laughs> deeper into the year, and he's got to manage these uh, <laughs> these pitch counts and all that stuff. Because, I, I mean, yeah, both Woodruff and Burns in the last couple of days, over 100 pitches, too, kind of had to labor. Uh, I don't know how consistently they can get away with 100-pitch outings either, uh, given the state of pitching this year and how they're going to have to look at that. But, man, it's... It, you know they're going good when you look at Brandon Woodruff's start on Saturday, nine strikeouts over five innings, two runs allowed, and you're like, eh, it was okay, I guess. You know? <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it's ridiculous. And yeah, you, you hope that they can keep it up and hopefully, at least in Burns' case, get a little bit more run support. So not every win is two to nothing for him. That, that would be nice. It would. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, another Twitter question. This one comes from Anthony Pollard. He says, what will it take for Stearns to start churning the bench players? Have there been any bets on waivers that you would think would have been beneficial at this point? Uh, so, Paul, you know, we we churn relievers, but we haven't really seen that with the bench players so far. Yeah, and there's not a lot out there, like, just freely available outside of your system at this point. Uh, when we get closer to the deadline, I think that'll start to change a little bit as trades happen and people have to free up space and, and all that jazz. But it is hard just to go out there and find... Um, freely available, like waiver wire t- talent to start churning through this. But uh, like, I still think they should start churning through the, the system guys a little bit more at the really bad positions, just because you, you can't really be worse than, um, than Travis at this point. And, and a Vogel bucks kind of started hitting a little bit, but he's still not great. So um, it, it, uh, if there's anybody, I don't like a free agent wise or anything like that. I don't think there's anybody readily out there that they can get for free, but I still would, I'd tap the AAA guys just to see what they got. Uh, I have problems with the premise of the question because they have 14 different bench players so far listed on baseball reference in two months. I know a lot of that's because of injuries. How much is that injury? A lot of it it is injuries. but A lot of attrition, yeah. But they have been churning through a lot of guys at a lot of different positions here. This has not been like a static roster in any way, shape, or form. 
That is a good point. Jacob Nottingham has been on the team on two non-consecutive occasions. <laughs> he has. He has. And, you know, they've been through a lot of different guys on this roster. And we're going to see guys like Jace Peterson come back again, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Ernan will be up at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> Add another we'll get Corey Ray back for a stint. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so. timing-wise, that may work out with uh, with a need for a guest host in the next few weeks. That, the timing might just work out for Hernan if he comes back in the next few weeks at some point. So stay tuned for Perfect. the all all Hernan hour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> beefcake, uh, that... beefcake. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So uh, one more Twitter question. This one comes from Zachary Smith. I guess back to the pitching. He says the Peralta extension is looking better with every game. A month or so ago, we discussed extending Burns or Woodruff. Do you see David Stearns trying to extend Peralta again? So I don't think we have to worry about this for too much longer because, what was it, like a five-year contract? But, you know, if you want to look way down the line, Paul, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would, mean, would you re-up with Freddie again, even just to add maybe a couple more years on at the end? Uh, it's a tough one. Um, it, 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 so it all depends on the Brewers, on on financial projection and whether they can leverage his current deal to get a discount on future years. Uh, well, mm-hmm. maybe more current years by extending that, you know, by extending into the future and, and making it financially viable for them. That's really the, the game for them more than anything on extending their own guys. And that's all about timing. So it's possible. I mean, if, if he proves to be consistently great, like he has been this year, uh, I don't see why they would let him go. And, when you have a guy under contract, you actually have a good amount of leverage to do those kinds of extensions. So this really comes down to just what, what the back-end analytics tell you about how he'll age um, and whether they can make it a financially smart uh, deal for them to do so. If I had to actually like wager on it, I actually think you will see another Freddie extension before his contract runs out because I do think he is super good, and I do think they'll try and leverage that to keep him around longer. But uh, you know, just a guess. Uh, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say no pretty emphatically. Uh, And the reason being is that this deal is incredibly team friendly. It is team friendly. I agree. And Freddie's not big. All right. So so I I get the the may not age quite as well as others. But the the fact that it's a team friendly deal actually makes me think that it's more likely they extend him, not less likely, because you can use that to your advantage in adding years on. Well, so they owe him 2.5 next year in his age 25 or 26 season. Sorry. Uh, Then it jumps to 3.7, 5.7 (laughs) at age 28 and 2024. Then they have not one, but two $8 million team options that take him to his age 30. So you're talking about AM 10 million. (laughs) They're not anywhere near needing to do this. They have the team. They have the team options that. right now, which they could look at as that gives them the flexibility where if he does suffer a catastrophic injury or loss of ability or whatever, that would allow them to get out before they really even have paid him hardly anything. And this is this is the thing, especially with guys who sign cheap deals on the international market, especially though this this does also happen with later round guys in the states as well but there's a lot of pressure on them to sign an early extension to get that guaranteed life setting Mm -hmm. money uh 
because they're so generally very far away from from making that kind of money. And this is this is part of why the the system has been screwed up is Freddie Peralta's contract is a direct sort of a direct result of the faultiness of the system where young players are so drastically underpaid that doing a deal like this made all the sense in the world for Freddie a year and a half ago. And now it looks like, you know, just one of the most Mm -hmm. massive team friendly contracts you'll ever see. Right. Do you think in some ways this also works to benefit the brewers and that, you know, obviously they don't have to pay Freddie much of anything. Is that more money you could shove out to Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff in the next contract cycle? So those are tricky, and I've been trying to sort of wrap my head around what uh, an extension for those guys would look like. And frankly, it comes down to do they want to hit the market? Because both of them are basically because of the fact they were college pitchers and they mm-hmm. weren't especially quick to the majors. Um, no, late bloomers. Yeah, kind particularly of. in Woodruff's case, both yeah. look to be on a path to hit the free agent market at about 30. And that's without the extra extension that, you know, say Freddie Peralta has right now. So it's they both seem to be headed towards free agency at the age of 30. If they want to get a contract, then they have one shot at it. That's really what they're looking at is they have their one chance. They're not one of these guys. If, if guys get into a system and get up in their very early 20s, sometimes you can be looking at multiple free agent contracts. Yep. These guys are going to have one shot at it. And they're going to need to make the most of it. So I think it's going to require a lot unless one of them or both of them just particularly loves being here and wants to give the team a discount because we've seen the team be perfectly willing to sign guys for what they consider to be good deals, to be discounted deals. But they don't give out contracts that they think they're likely to regret. So basically, it's going to come down to them needing to take a big discount and I wouldn't advise it for either one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Nope. I hope it happens from the perspective of I love having them on the team and I'd like to see them continue to be here. But also it's pitching and it's really dangerous to sign pitching long term, especially deep right. into their 30s. It, right. It's just a dangerous thing. And they already That's have one day. massive contract that we're looking at over the next, what, nine years? With our right. fingers crossed and hoping that Christian <laughs> we were already ages panicking well. about a month ago too, right? right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, that, it, that's the thing too. Like, yeah, we've seen the Brewers keep guys they want to keep around, but it's been largely outside of Freddie and that absurdly team Freddie deal. Position players, we haven't really seen that star level pitcher get the extension, nope. right? So, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, reminder, you get question priority when you become a patron at patreon.com slash MKE tailgate. We do have a couple new patrons to shout out this week, right, Ryan? We do. Uh, one of them just joined a couple hours ago. I almost missed it because uh, Samuel Gill <laughs> signed up just later this afternoon. Ooh. It must have been you know, the winning streak and just all that happiness. I, I imagine that uh, that probably <laughs> helped. So thank you, Brewers, for bringing Samuel into the fold for us. And uh, Jamie Wonder signed up a couple days ago. So I, nice. I don't know what the, the story is there, if I can construct a narrative there. But yeah, <laughs> also welcome. Also, yeah, absolutely welcome. Welcome to Jamie. Welcome to Sam. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a reminder, f- two bucks a month gets you question priority. Five bucks a month gets you 
the questions and all the extra podcasts. And as we mentioned, uh, a couple of extra things to look forward to content wise on the Patreon page in the next week or so. So please do go and check it, uh, check that out. Sign up if you can. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Casts, anywhere else you listen to us. Hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, please do leave us a kind review to help other people find us. Uh, in the meantime, we'll try to stay cool. Hope the Brewers keep winning. Uh, this will probably be the last time for a couple of weeks that the entire gang will be together. Paul is uh, constantly the moving. Move. And, the move and is almost that. done. Yeah. So, uh, Two more weekends of moving. So. It'll be a few weeks before this gang's back together, but rest assured we'll we'll get some fill-ins and, and figure that out. So we won't skip a beat. But in the meantime, stay well, everybody. We'll see you next time on Milwaukee's Tailgate. USA and Mexico tied 1-1 at the half. Ooh, okay. Yeah.